when you think about the word culture, that tends to point really to a large group of people within a certain geographical area. However, there is a term you're probably familiar with called subculture, and subculture is a group within a culture that have a unique set of values that differ from the wider culture. You're probably familiar with the term subculture, and I bet you're familiar with many of these subcultures. So if you have a child or a teenager in your home, then you're familiar with the subculture of gamers. Anybody? My son is a gamer, and he has some nomenclature. I have no idea what it means, but it's a subculture. There's a subculture of runners. Any runners in here? I don't understand you. Like, I tried it and it hurt, so I quit. I don't, I don't understand why. Um, there's also the subculture of CrossFitters. Any CrossFitters here? Yeah, well, all right, we've got a few. All right, there is the subculture of sneakerheads. Now, I love shoes. And if you know what pair of shoes this is, then that means you're a sneakerhead. This is the original 1985 game-worn Michael Jordans. And so October is Pastor Appreciation Month. If you want to buy these, <laughs> I'm okay with that. I'm just saying. So as a fellow sneakerhead... Yes. Um, And so there's the subculture of minimalism. And so want to remove distractions and so tiny houses and all of that. One of the subcultures I didn't realize that existed was the Jeep subculture. I had no idea. So my son has a Jeep and I'm driving with him and every Jeep that passes by, you're driving, they do this. I see you. You got a Jeep too. I see you. Like, what is that? He's like, you have a Jeep. You wave at other Jeeps, Dad. Come on. I was like, oh, God, I didn't know the subculture. Well, something happened to my car. And so for the last couple of weeks, I've been driving his Jeep, still my Jeep. So I'm driving my Jeep. And um, so now I'm looking for every Jeep because I can't wait to you. Hey, it's a Jeep, you know. It's my son's, but I'm driving it, you know. And so then, then I drove the family minivan. And we have a minivan. Don't make fun of me. And... I'm driving, and I'm still waving at all the Jeeps, <laughs> but they don't wave back, and then I'm like, oh, it's because I'm in the van, so then I start waving at all the vans, and they don't wave back either. There's no minivan subculture, and so if you live in Nolensville and you drive a minivan, as of today, I'm officially starting a minivan subculture. I will wave at you. You will wave at me. Amen? <laughs> Subcultures are interesting. But some people wrongly believe that there are subcultures in Christianity. There are Christians, but there are also super Christians. There are Christians that God tolerates, and then there's Christians God really loves. There are Christians who experience God And then there are Christians who are on the bleachers watching. I'm here to tell you that's not true. And if you've ever thought, I just want more of God, as a Christian, there's always more of God to have. There is life and power and purpose and joy and mission at 
your fingertips. Maybe even say it a, a little differently, maybe even better. There's power and purpose and joy and mission inside of you ready to be unleashed. I know what it's like to long for more. And some of you, you know there's got to be more. That you really do want the life and power and purpose and joy that the Bible talks about, that you know is available to you. And you know, I need to be leaning into God. I, I know I need to be heading in a different direction. Well, I'm so glad you're here. If you've ever longed for more, you need to know there is a path and there is divine help available. So I want you to grab your Bible, open it to the book of Romans chapter 8, because we're in a series called Greater. And in this series today, we are going to talk about how you can experience and find that power and presence and purpose that is available and living inside every Christian breathing air today. And so Jesus, today, we make much of you. We ask that you would do what only you can do through the preaching of your word. We want more of you. We want more of your purpose and joy in this life. Would you help us find it and live in it in Jesus name. And the church said, so we started this series last week. We'll be in it today. And then two more weeks, Romans eight, Romans eight is considered by many to be the most profound and precious chapter in the entire new Testament. Martin Luther said, if I could just have one chapter torn out of the Bible in my pocket for the rest of my life, it'd be Romans eight. Because in Romans 8, Paul tells us in the most clear and compelling way how God has dealt in the past, in the present, and in the future with his kids, with his church. It's a letter that Paul wrote to the church in Rome about 30 years after Jesus' resurrection, and it's incredible. And so in this series... We're just taking a deep dive into Romans 8. So I want you to buckle up every week. Bring a Bible, bring a friend, bring something to write with and bring something to write on. And during the week, spend time in this chapter because it's awesome. And so last week, we only looked at a couple of verses and we spent most of our time looking at Romans 8 verse 1 that says, therefore, there is now. So right now, this morning, today, tomorrow, next year, for the rest of my life, every time I open my Bible, this verse is true. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And condemnation is the same word for punishment or judgment. So if you're in Christ, what we talked about last week is you'll never, ever, ever experience the wrath of God, not in this life or the next. You only have his best. And the reason why there's no condemnation is because Jesus lived the life you couldn't live. He died the death you deserve. He defeated the grave that you couldn't, and he put us back in the relationship with God we all want. And Satan wants us to believe that Jesus isn't enough and that even though there is no condemnation, he wants you to live under it. And so we talked about how quite often we still struggle with guilt and shame and I can't believe I did that and I can't forgive myself. And listen, you're not above Jesus 
on the org chart of forgiveness. And Jesus says you're forgiven. You are. And so last week we talked about receiving and walking in the forgiveness that's already yours. And yes, sinner describes what I've done, but saint describes who I am. And so sure, I struggle, but I'm in Christ and God's not done with me yet. And one day I will be made perfect, but right now he's making me new. And as a person that he's making new in this life, on this earth, what I want you to know is this. God has power and a presence available that few ever experience. And it's not because there are Christians and they're super Christians. But God has a fullness of life that he wants you to walk in that not everyone experiences. And today, Paul is going to tell us in the verses 12 through 17 where that power and that presence comes from. And so we're going to read these verses together. And I want you to see if you can identify where that power and where that presence comes from. And so today, Romans 8, we're going to be verses 12 through 17. Paul says this, So then, brothers and sisters, we are not obligated to the flesh to live according to the flesh because if you live according to the flesh you're going to die but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live for all those led by god's spirit are god's sons for you did not receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear instead you receive the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out abba Father, verse 16, the Spirit himself testifies together with our spirit, listen to this, that we are God's children, and if children also heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. Come on. If indeed we suffer with him, so that we also may be glorified with him. So if there is a power and there is a presence available that most never experience, where does it come from? Did you see in this verse where Paul says you can find power and presence. Did you see it? Over and over and over again, Paul refers to the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And what Paul is describing in verses 12 through 17 is the difference between living according to the flesh and then living according to the power of the Spirit. And when it comes to the work of the Holy Spirit, and his function in our lives, we don't always know what to think. You know, sometimes we're a little bit skeptical because we've seen the pendulum swing to areas that make us uncomfortable. And so we've seen people talk about the Holy Spirit and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, and then all of a sudden you see them act certain ways and do certain things, and like, I'm not going to flop around on the floor and I ain't doing that. Don't want any of that. But then what has happened is, We as Baptists, if you didn't know we're Baptists, surprise, we're Baptists, is what's happened is we've swung the pendulum all the way back over here and we've put the Holy Spirit in a box because we're like, I don't want to go there. So what we've done is we've let the pendulum swing too far. Here's a quote by A.W. Tozer. He said this. He said, Satan has opposed the doctrine of the Spirit-filled life about as bitterly as any other doctrine there is. 
He has confused it, surrounded it with false notions and fears. He has blocked every area of the church of Christ to receive from the Father her divine blood-bought legacy. And the church has tragically neglected the great liberating truth. Listen, there is now... For the child of God, a full and wonderful and completely satisfying anointing with the Holy Spirit. Paul says, hey, don't live according to the flesh, live according to the Spirit. And see, Satan knows that a Christian full of the Spirit of God is a powerful weapon in the hands of God for the advancement of his kingdom. But a self-filled Christian is just a distraction. And every Christian is either self-filled or spirit-filled. Now, wait, wait a minute. I I thought every Christian gets the Holy Spirit when they're saved. Absolutely you do. When you are saved... You are sealed, and when you're in, you're in, and you'll never be out. And when you're saved, the Holy Spirit indwells every Christian. Christian, But indwelling is not the same thing as empowering. So every home here, show of hands, that has a stove in your kitchen, raise your hand. Raise your hand. Yeah, it's easy question. Always ask something everybody can answer. Easy question. Now, some of you, when that stove turns on, you can cook. You can do some business in the kitchen, and we love to eat at your house. Others of you, I'm grateful there's DoorDash. (laughs) You don't take a pan or a pot or a saucer and put it on your stove and expect anything to happen unless you turn on the heat. The gas or the electricity is always there. It's always available. But unless you access it, you're not cooking anything. Can't even boil water. And the Holy Spirit indwells every Christian when they are saved. Never leaves with us forever. But indwelling and empowering are not the same thing. So Paul says it this way. Give us a little clarity to what he's talking about in Romans in 5.18, Ephesians 5. He says this, And don't get drunk with wine, which leads to reckless living, but be what? What's the word? Filled by the Spirit. Again, Wade, isn't he talking to Christians, people who are already in Christ? Yes! Paul is writing to people who have the Holy Spirit inside of them. He didn't say receive the Holy Spirit. Paul said be filled by the Holy Spirit. And filled means to be influenced by, to be controlled by, to be led by. And the the word filled is the Greek word thero. And it's an imperative. It's a command in the Greek. And so what Paul is saying, he's commanding them, be filled with the Spirit. Okay, well, what do I, how do I do that? God, I command you to fill me. God's like, hey, time out. Did you forget who's in charge here? Number one, I've already given you the Spirit, and you have as much of me as you want at any time. My power and presence is available to you. Well, then what does Paul mean here? 
be filled. Why is it a command? It's a command, listen, because what Paul is saying is he's saying stop filling yourself with yourself. Stop filling yourself with the world's wisdom. Stop leading and guiding yourself. You got to put that to death and start being led, influenced, guided, filled with the Spirit. And if you're a Christian, you have all of the Holy Spirit you're ever going to need forever and ever. But that doesn't mean you're being filled, you're being led, you're being guided by the Holy Spirit. And what Paul has been saying in this chapter up until this point, he's like, you are being made new. And, and look at some of the ways he has described being made new so far in Romans 8. He says, you got new relationships. You have a new mind. You have a new nature. You have new desires. You have a new power. And then lastly, you have a new life. Paul is saying this about you. You have new relationships. You used to be separated from God. Now you're in relationship with God. You have new relationships with brothers and sisters in Christ. You have a new mind, a mind that's not supposed to be set on the things of the world, a mind that's supposed to be set on the things of heaven. I have a new nature. We're always trying to fix the outside. God changes our heart. If you raise any sort of tree that bears any sort of fruit, you can trim the branches all you want. That's not going to help the tree produce more fruit until you have a healthy root system. So, so God works on the inside. I have new desires. This isn't a have to do anymore. This is a I want to. Wait, why do you read your Bible? I like it. Wait, why do you give the first 10% of your income? I like to. I'm just glad God lets me keep 90%. That gets pretty generous. It's all his anyway. Religion is what you have to do. New desires are what I long to do. I got a new power. The presence of God resides within me to defeat what the world would want for me and to live and empowered life for God's best. And I got a new life. Not only is my eternity in heaven, but I get a piece of heaven now. So I have a new life. And the reality is I am not perfect, but I'm being made new. And so I'm not discouraged by where I'm not yet. I'm encouraged by what God is doing in my life. We're not perfect, but we're new. And that's what Paul's talking about here. He says, he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion. And there's a power to live this life. The Holy Spirit is inside of you to empower you. Paul says, if you're led by the flesh, that leads to death. But if you're led by the Spirit, that leads to life. The Holy Spirit resides in us. And did you know there are several kind of roles and functions for the Holy Spirit inside of you? There, there's a couple here. Number one, and he is a counselor. How many of you, show of hands, just in the last year have sort of felt a loss of what to do next? Anybody? How many of you ever wonder, what do I do with my child in this moment? How do I get them ready for life? You ever felt that? How many of you ever felt, I don't know how to handle this situation with my spouse. I don't know what to do with work. I don't know what to do with my job. I don't, 
I don't know what to do. He is a counselor. James 1.5 says, Anyone who lacks wisdom, let him ask, and God will give generously and liberally without reproach. There is divine wisdom available to you every second of your life to live the life God calls us to. He's a counselor. He's an advocate. The Holy Spirit goes before me into the presence of the throne room. He pleads my case. He's an advocate for you, for me. He's a comforter. I don't know about you. Anybody need some comfort? Hello. Gosh, in the last few years, every significant male figure in in my life and my family's life has passed away. My dad, my father-in-law, my grandfather. There have been times where there was no amount of comfort that this world could offer that really satisfied me. You know what I'm saying? But what God has promised you is a divine comfort for your life. People say, God will never give you more than you can handle. There's a big Greek word for that. It's called baloney. You are never meant to be strong enough to carry everything. And there is a comforter inside of you if you'll just tap into it. And he's a helper. What do you need help with? It's part of the Holy Spirit's role, the paraclete. So Paul says, put this flesh to death. Live by the Spirit. There is a power and a presence inside of us that most of us just don't tap into. He's with us. You know, when Jesus was hanging out with his disciples as he was getting ready to leave, he told them, hey, listen up, boys. In just a little bit, I'm going to leave. Wait, you're leaving? What do you mean you're leaving? I don't know. How are we going to function? What are we going to do? Ah! Calm down. When I leave, I'm going to send you another of the same kind. And there's two Greek words for another. There's the word alos, which means of the same kind. And there's the Greek word heteros, which means of a different kind. It's where we get heterosexual from. So Jesus said, hey, if I leave, I'm going to send you another alos, someone of the exact same kind. Because see, I'm stationary. I can walk with you. I can be with you. But but there's going to be someone who's coming that's going to indwell you and be wherever you are forever. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but how cool would it be to actually get to hang out with Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? Like, I know one day we will, but I'm talking about like here on this earth. Like, I couldn't imagine sitting around a campfire in my backyard with Jesus. Wouldn't that be awesome? Like, I would love to just have him over for dinner and just listen. I would love to have my quiet time with him. If you knew that you were going to get up and have your quiet time with Jesus, I bet you'd all be faithful to have your quiet time. Amen? That was a drive-by guilting in case you missed it. Um, And if Jesus actually came back, he's coming back, but I'm saying if he was like, you know what, I'm going to come out and hang out for a month in 2021. Do you realize how hard it would be to get a flight wherever he was? 
by the time people heard, you're not going to get in a flight there. I'll take a ship. You're not going to get on a boat. Every tour bus would be booked. Every car would be rented. If you had a desire to see Jesus, just to be within a stone's throw of him, it would probably take you weeks, months, if ever, just to get near him. There'd be so many crowds just trying to get close. If you did get close, you might hear a word, but you're probably not ever going to get like a one-on-one conversation right now. It'd be too many people. But Jesus said, I'm sending you another, Allah, just like me, who speaks like me, helps like me, leads like me, loves like me, because he's of the same essence of me. He's going to take up residence in you, and he's going to empower you, and he's going to equip you, and he's going to encourage you. He's going to be a counselor, an advocate, a comforter, and a helper. And all of this is available every time I take a breath. But I still try to do it in my own strength. I still try to conquer my sin. I still try to pastor this church. I still try to be the best husband and father and leader. Because there's a power and a presence that most people don't tap into, including your pastor. I think a good example of this would be something we watch in the life cycle of every child. When they're brand new, when they're babies and they're toddlers, it's help me, hold me, feed me, change me, be what you know what I'm talking about? And then when they want to walk, they want you to hold their hand. They want you to carry them. They want you to feed them. You help me do everything. And then at some point, I know my kids aren't like this. I know your kids aren't like this. I've just heard some kids are like this. But at some point, they get to the place where they're like, let me do it, I got it. I don't need you, I'm like, I got it. And true, as parents, we need to give both roots and wings and watch them soar one day on their own. But that was never God's plan for you, to do it on your own. Where did we get that from? That's an American pull yourself up by your own bootstraps lie from the devil. And yes, you need to grow in your faith. And yes, you need to mature and you need to get off of milk, but not in your own strength. That's an empowering of the spirit that leads you to more. And when we were new Christians, all of us said, help me, lead me, grow. I want to grow. Help, help, help. And then at some point we're like, I got it. Why? It's because we've forgotten there's a power and a presence available to you every time you take a breath. And Paul tells us to put flesh to death and to walk in the Spirit. You're not going to do it on your own. We need a childlike faith that says, help me, lead me, guide me, speak to me. And so what if this week, one week, not the rest of your life, one week, you said, wait, I want to I tap into the power that's already inside of me. I want to live this life full of the Spirit. I want to be filled, influenced, guided, led by the Spirit. That's what I'm going to do this week. What if you just said that for one week and see what God could do? What if you did that? Okay, I'm in. How do I do that? I'm glad you asked. That's what's next in my notes. Number one, 
Start reading your Bible. It is really simple, but it's incredibly profound because the Spirit works through the Word He wrote with Jesus. Jesus is the Word of God, but it was influenced. It was breathed out by the Spirit of God. It's a living, active document. Read the Bible. Because listen, one pastor said it this way, you can't say that I'm struggling and I don't get traction and I don't have wisdom and I'm not experiencing life with a closed Bible. We begin by just reading the Word of God and the Holy Spirit will bring it to life in our lives. It is a life-breathing document. This week, Wait, okay, where do I read and what do I read? Romans 8 is a pretty good place because we're going to be in it for two more weeks. Number two, when you're reading it, memorize Scripture. God says to you that he will recall his word in your mind when you need it most. He cannot recall what was not already put there. Some of you, when you tried to get through chemistry two in college, You took your textbook, you put it under your pillow and said, Jesus, help me tomorrow on my test. Because I, whoo, would you do something spiritual tonight? You can't do that with the word of God or chemistry, by the way. Osmosis doesn't work. You have to take time to put this in your mind. And one of the reasons why there's less power and less presence that we walk in is because there's less scripture rolling around in our hearts and our minds. God's word is life-giving. And this isn't what God wants from you. It's what God wants for you. He wants life. This week, pray. Pray. And the more I pray, the more I realize I'm still figuring it out. I have a 120-hour undergrad with a major in theology. I have a 96-hour master's with a specialization in biblical languages and expositional preaching. And I'm halfway through my doctorate. Do you know how many classes I've taken on prayer? taking spiritual formations and we talk about it. But here's one of the things I believe is true that's hard to practice, but we need to learn. Prayer is less talking and more listening. Prayer isn't a monologue. This is a monologue. This is me talking and you listening. However, I'm okay with a dialogue. You can say amen. You can respond. That's okay. But quite often, I exclusively kind of function like in a monologue with God. And so, if I were to call you on the phone this week, and you, oh, hey, it's way on, talk to me. Hey, what's going on? And I just rattled on for five minutes, and then was like, bye. Would you say, hey, wait, and I had a conversation? You'd be like, I don't know if I'm going to answer the phone anymore. Because all he does is call and talk and then hang up. Why don't we treat God that way? Now, God's not burdened. He's not going to stop taking your call, but you're missing 
what could be powerful in prayer if you would just listen. Because the last thing you need more space in this week is this, silence. Do you remember when Elijah called down fire from heaven? Do you remember that? Right after that miraculous move of God, Jezebel said, I'm going to kill you. And he got scared and ran from Jezebel. And he ran so far, he ended up in a cave, the prophet Elijah. And he was wanting to hear from God. And the Bible says that there was a big thunder, but God wasn't in the thunder. There was a big rush of wind. God wasn't in the wind. There was a big bolt of lightning. God wasn't in the lightning. It was earth, wind, and fire was represented, and God wasn't in any of it. That was a joke, and you missed it. It's fine. Not all of them land. It's fine. But God did speak to Elijah, and when he spoke to Elijah, he whispered. Do you know why he whispered? Because he was close. And see, when I whisper, I can watch your body language lean in. And that's what God wants from you. Lean in. Listen. Be still. God could scream louder than any voice around, but he doesn't scream over our distraction. He whispers because he wants us close. And if you want God's best in your life, you want to live according to the Spirit, like Paul talks about here, you've got to have time to be still and listen. Some of you have been desperate for a word from God for so long, but you've been listening to the world for too long. You need to listen to God. And every moment you spend with the Lord changes you. And busyness and distraction isn't just a tool of the devil. Busyness and distraction is the devil's primary ploy. Just keep you busy. Do you, do you need encouragement today? Like, do you, you just need to feel loved. Do you... Do you need to just like feel like, man, there's more to this life and to feel the presence of God? It's available. And regardless of where you've been or what you've done or what your story is, or it, it doesn't matter. Because listen, if you're in Christ, Paul also said this, You didn't receive a spirit of slavery to fall back into fear. Listen, might be the most important thing you hear today. You received the spirit of adoption by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. And the spirit testifies together with our spirit that we are God's children and if children, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. It's good news. 
And so because I'm in Christ and there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, I have no fear of God ever punishing me. Not in this life or the next, even when I fail and stink and mess up, because I do. I have no fear of God punishing me. So it's real easy to go back to his presence because I'm not scared of his response. I'm not scared of God punishing me. But I am scared of God not using me. That there's a life that he has for me and for my family and for my kids and for the church that I put a lid on that he could have done through me that he's empowered me for, that he's equipped me for, that I didn't tap into. But I'm not scared of him because he's going to love me with a never-ending, always and forever love. And when you're adopted, you don't pick your father, your father picks you. You're already loved. You're already chosen. He's enough. And so today, we're going to give you just a moment to practice what we just ask you to do. Have a time of prayer and then listen. So we're going to give you space to interact with your Creator. So make the space around you, it's the holy place. Say something as simple as, God, what do you want to say to me? And then just listen. If there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ, then the safest place for you right now is in the presence of God. And if you want the life that God is calling you to, is empowering you for, you don't have to do it all this week. You just need to take a step, a step in the right direction. And so I don't know what that step is for you, but I do pray this week, man, you would read God's word. You would memorize God's word. You would pray. You would be silent. I bet you in that, 
God will take you each step of the way into the life he longs for us. Amen. So we're going to sing now. We're going to celebrate through song. Stand with me together as we continue to declare God's goodness.